This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Today on the show, Bryony Matthews. But first, there's a couple of days left for you to enter our Rhythm and Alps competition. We had Alex Turnbull on the show just a few weeks back and he very kindly gave us a pair of camping tickets to this year's Rhythm and Alps worth almost $500. So if you're over 18 and you want to enter this amazing competition, just head to gardenofsound.nz forward slash win. You can stick your details in the form and you're in the draw. I'll be letting you know who's won next Friday on the show, so make sure you tune in for that one. Okay, today, Bryony Matthews. She's a singer, songwriter, a guitarist, an event promoter, and an actress. Bryony grew up on the mean streets of Tarkaka, the top of New Zealand's South Island. She has a fantastic album to her name, and in just a couple of weeks, she'll be debuting the first EP from her new pop trio, Your Indigo. But how did Bryony get to where she is today, and what lessons did she have to learn to get there? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Bryony Matthews on Plains FM 96.9. Bryony, I want you to tell me, uh, first time ever, that music entered your consciousness as a, uh, as a young person. You went, what's that? I don't know, as a really, really little child, I used to hear things. You know the theme song to Young Ones? Yes. That really caught my attention as a, like a five-year-old and I couldn't, like, I just wanted to, like, sing over and over and over and over. And I used to hear these things that I'd just want to keep playing, playing over and over again. And I'd try and figure them out on the piano. And, like, so I guess, I guess four or five. If I look back in retrospect, I, f- I was passionate about music. Uh, you say work down on the piano. Were there instruments in the house? Yeah, my dad, was, oh, so my dad is a musician. He played and made um, African marimbas for, like, 25 years. He started as a, like, a drummer, as an African drums, and then it moved into marimbas. He's hugely musical, he's very talented, he plays piano, but it's just self-taught. My mum played a bit of piano, my oldest brother plays guitar, <clears throat> my other brother was a, a dabbled in DJing. So was musical instruction something that was encouraged? No. Where did you go to school? I went to primary school at Central Tarkaka, uh-huh. um, so in Golden Bay, I grew up in Golden Bay. We had the option of learning recorder, as you do, I wish it was ukulele. But we didn't have that then. Why ukulele? Well, it's just so much more interesting. It sounds nicer and you learn more. Like, <laughs> Which begs the question, why they put so many parents and children through the pain of playing? Recorder. Perhaps because it's, because it's cheap? It's cheap. You can, you know, a school can buy recorders. That's how I learned how to read music. But also singing was like, I was always singing at my school at Central Tarkica every, because we had, it was a tiny school, like 50 people, three teachers. Um, one of the teachers was a piano player. Every Thursday afternoon, like the whole, after lunchtime, the whole of the afternoon was just all the classes come together and we just sung songs. And what, I loved that so What much. kind of songs were you singing? Oh, like war songs and like... Um, Vera Lynn-esque y- yeah. numbers. And, you know, f- flash dance and... Okay. <laughs> it's from one extreme to the there other. Was, uh, yeah, uh, bright eyes. Yeah, but I remember I remember those afternoons and I loved them. I loved singing, and I remember my friends getting annoyed because I was singing too loud in the ear or something. But I was just I just loved singing. Always loved singing. So, what sort of age was it when we were flash dancing and bright eyesing? Probably six, seven. 
did you feel that you had a sort of a natural talent for singing. for music? Oh, for music, oh, I don't know. I just I just enjoyed it, and I used to um, take this little tape recorder into my bedroom as like a five and six year old and record myself singing. Were there were there sort of any contemporaries at that young age, or maybe sort of heading through to sort of high school age that you were hanging out with and performing with, or was it just Bryony on? It was her just own? like you know school shows, and I did the sound of music when I was eight. Played Pragita. Um, <laughs> it was just yeah, because Taki is very small. So how was it being on stage, <clears throat> age eight? I loved being on stage. I was like I always loved being on stage. That was my, my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We'll just remind you that uh, today's show is being brought to you from Gatherings Restaurant in Christchurch. So if you do hear any of the noise, that is the wonderful Believ and Papua Nui Road uh, corner. <laughs> so when did you first pick up a guitar? When I was 14. So this is the annoying thing. So when I was 10, I moved down to Christchurch with my mum. I was supposed to be studying guitar lessons at my school, which... I would have have been a great guitarist now, but I didn't. (laughs) So when I was 14, I was just at a friend's house who was older than me. Like she was in her 20s and she just had a guitar and a chord chart. And I just picked it up and started teaching myself some chords. And I'd always been writing songs, you know, just as a little girl does kind of thing. Um, But that was when I first was able to properly construct a a full song. Those first songs, do you remember what any of them were, were about? Uh, when I was very young, my songs were always very emotionally driven. I guess, you know, things at school, friends, things that were tormenting me, that kind of thing. But yeah, so that's how I built slowly built up my guitar playing skills because I'd write a song with like three chords and then I'd introduce a new chord so it'd like, make a song with that chord and it would force me to play that. <laughs> and then, yeah, obviously just as I got older, I got better at playing. We've got sort of an early foray into uh, guitar and obviously a, um, a talent for, for music. Was there anything else that uh, you were studying for, whether that was in the arts or...? Acting was going to be my thing. As a young girl, I was wanted to be a singer. So me and my very good friend, who now lives in Bristol, she's an amazing singer, is very, very musical. We had a little <coughs> girl band called Ice, which was shortened cool. from Spice. <laughs> okay, the Ice Girls. Yes, yeah. The Ice Girls, yeah, exactly. So we used to have like, you know, I've still got all our songs, that, and some of them I'm like, man, you know, these could be made into money-making pop songs. But, you know, um, yeah, so then I really wanted to be a singer, and then as I grew older and went to high school, it was more acting that I was focusing on, because I just loved being on stage, and I was quite good at acting. And I went to like original scripts drama school for years. And, and then when I finished, oh, I did a show when I was 17 called Bliss at the Court Theatre, which was, um, I don't know if you know Mike Friend. He started the, um, the Looney, the Loon, sorry, in Littleton. And now, so he came over from England and did this show that they'd done in the Edinburgh Festival. And they did it here, which was a very controversial show for Christchurch. Why was that? Um, it was three characters. Uh, I had to give myself an abortion in it. <laughs> Lots of people walking out, throwing up, fainting, that kind of thing. But it was a, it was a really cool show. It was it was really um, I did that with James Beck, who was a friend back then. And yeah, so I, f- I did that, and then I finished high school, and then I went to Hagley Theatre Company, which was great. But I was very naive, and um, I guess well, looking back, because of the era that I grew up in, it was the you know like the pop culture. 
I had seen this um, this kind of wave of you know all the all the bands like the the man-made bands. So my view of of how things worked is that everybody did it for you, like you didn't have to work hard. And so I literally, and you know, I just had this whole Hollywood idea of like how you get a big break and then it all gets handed to you. And so that's, I think a lot of people do. Yeah, but it's terrible because I. I left Hagley Theatre Company and then I didn't get into Toy Fikati, which was a massive blow for me. And then I moved to Melbourne. Um, and I just, I didn't know how to work hard and like didn't realise how much acting requires, especially in New Zealand. You're talking outside of the actual craft, more the, well, the more, hustle to get the, yes, exactly. to get the gigs. And, like, and I wasn't prepared for that. So what mentally. did you learn from, from those experiences? Oh, well, at the time I was just like, oh, whatever, screw this. <laughs> And I kind of just fell away from it. But then I did start, I did, I was getting more into my songwriting. I spent many years, I guess, developing my, my craftsmanship as a songwriter and, and getting better. And, and then I just kind of put the acting aside. So acting's loss uh, is music's gain? Y- yeah. And I think it's better for me now. I just, um, like if, if something organically happened, then... I would be up for it, um, but it's not something I want to pursue anymore. Mm. I enjoy the um, the independent side that you have with music, and it's your own creation. And like, it, it is the same. You still have to work hard and do things, but it's in a different way. Like, you don't have to depend so much on other people. I mm-hmm. suppose. Mm. Like, if you want to do a gig, you do a gig. But that's also because you've had the experience of doing. That's the true. Gigs that's true. I guess yeah. My passion just changed, and I fell into it more easily. So earlier uh, we had Vera Lynn and Irene Cara and obviously Art Garfunkel as some of those those kind of songs that you were singing back yeah. back at school. Influence wise, is there any artist, whether it's a singer, a songwriter, or perhaps a, a musician that you could sort of put your finger on and say, yeah, this has sort of helped me or pointed me in? Yeah, so I find that a really hard question because um, growing up, my dad played a lot of Genesis and. Um, John Anderson and I guess The Seekers and Kate Bush and through my songwriting as a teenager he he looks at things like time signatures and chord progressions and different things and he's like that's very Genesis or that's very Kate Bush and I'm like oh is it so th- I've subconsciously been influenced by these people but I th- thinking about it I think um, one of the only people that I really look at is Anika Moore and I just loved her rawness and her honesty and her song writing like there's something about the way that she writes lyrics which I just really relate to and I've just followed her like ever since I was 15 seen her play many a time and actually when I've got a friend um called Stephen Hurd who's in a band called Clap Clap Riot years ago he um sat down with me to kind of help me workshop my songwriting skills and he his question was like so is there anyone that you would you know think of and that, that was the only person I've could come up with so I guess that's yeah that's the person I'd stick with what track are we gonna hear <laughs> um one of her very first tracks called flowers for you which is on her first album thinking room why specifically that that track um it just moves me it's just a beautiful melancholy song yeah I, I always go back to that that album and that song <laughs> Love 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Bryony Matthews on Plains FM 96.9. Hey, my sisters and brothers, it's Brad from the Butlers and the Singleton Mingle. If you're looking for a top-notch screen printer for your next big shindig, then go down to see James at Against the Grain Screen Printing. He's been printing out t-shirts and merch for the Mingle for many, many moons. He's an absolute ledge, and he's one of the few qualified textile lords in the city. So get down and see him. You're guaranteed a great price and a mean result. Check him out on the World Wide Web, atgscreen.co.nz. That's atgscreen.co.nz. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Bryony Matthews on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, I want to talk about gigs. I want to talk about first big gig. I guess I have to have two uh, two answers for that. That's good. Um, because <laughs> when I was young, my, my dad and also my mum at the time actually were playing marimbas. So I went along to a lot of marimba gigs. And you can't really are there a lot of marimba gigs? Well in Golden Bay. Oh, of course. Okay. When there was a marimba band happening. Oh, wow. I went to a lot of marimba I've been to a lot of marimba gigs in my lifetime. <laughs> um so that was probably my first big gig. For those people that don't really have uh, much musical knowledge, yeah, can you can you explain a, a marimba? It's pretty much a big wooden, very loud um xylophone that makes you want to dance like if marimbas play you want to dance they're huge shake your booty you usually have a band of like 10 of them or something seven to ten there's a massive bass and then it goes up to us down to a soprano um and you have ho shows which are shakers and things and it's just like absolute african dance would there be a guero in there somewhere uh there wasn't in this band Okay. (laughs) but um yeah so i went along to a lot of those and they definitely make you go wow but I guess my first, like, gig of choice, hmm, I think Summer Jam. Just a big, like, kind of underage show that they put on in the, what was the, it was the Westpac Stadium. Lots of different bands, lots of different kind of punky, poppy, rocky bands. But I used to go to those every year when I was a teenager and I saw, like, you know, Silver Chair, which was great, and Good Charlotte and um, Killing Heidi and Tadpole back in the, those days and... Like they were, they were really good. Have you ever played electric guitar? Um, I had an electric guitar, but I for years I didn't really know what to do with it. Okay. And then recently I sold it, and then in, new, in my new band, your Indigo, I'm like, oh, I wish oh, I didn't I sell that. that. <laughs> A little bit of an overdrive pedal, you know? Yeah, just yeah. And you spin on the songs. I should have kept it. Moving from acting to to music, has there been a great sort of learning curve or learning opportunity for you? Definitely. My big, I guess I'll call it journey. When I was 27, I'd just come out of a big, horrible, horrendous, long breakup relationship, blah, 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 as one does. Um, And then I went travelling overseas for a year and I kind of stuffed all of my young 20s into that year. (laughs) But part of that year, because I was based in London and then working and travelling, part of that was I didn't really play gigs, but I was... um, Two things I really wanted to do when I was over there was eat lots of food and listen to lots of mu- like see lots of music because there's just so much music and it's cheap and it's everywhere. Um, and I wrote a lot of songs when I was over there, huge time for songwriting. Um, but part of being in London was going to all these, you know, really small underground kind of little gigs and open mics and just different pockets of things um, and seeing everybody doing it, like no matter if they're good or not like everybody was just doing it and that really was a um, big realization for me that I think I had actually been holding myself back 
I don't know, like I, th- I think it's just maybe it's part of the New Zealand psyche, which I thought had never affected me, but actually it just does. So yeah, just seeing everybody do it, I was like, I just need to go home and actually just do it and not overthink it. So that was a big, that was a big realisation. So you come back to New Zealand and you realise I've, I've got to do it. So tell me about that sort of like formative, how did you get in and how did you do it? So before it? I came back home, I'd looked into um, courses and things and I decided on a, um, a mains course doing live sound engineering. Brilliant. Yeah, which was the best thing I've ever done. Why? Um, because that's where I met everybody that I know now. Because I came back to Christchurch with the intention of actually moving, being here for a year, doing my course, and then going back to Auckland, because I'd spent a lot of time living in Auckland and have friends there. And I just didn't see myself remaining in Christchurch. But then, um, you know, once I've actually started to meet people and make a community for myself and, you know, make friends and have this community of like-minded people that, that um, made me stay here. You know, I, I'll never be a sound engineer because I just don't quite have the technical brain for it. But it was just great because I, I learned a lot f- just for myself and, and gigging and, and that kind of thing. But then I just, um, you know, obviously we're involved with putting on shows and I got to just help out with um, one of the first nostalgias. And then through nostalgia, I met like s- most of my friends now, um, including my partner. Um, so tell me, out of all of that, the trials and tribulations of, of, of growing up, is there any one piece of advice that you would look back and say to little Bryony, do or don't or do more of? Or It would be, have a backup plan. <laughs> don't be naive. Don't, don't be so stuck on one thing. Like, be open to different paths in life. And yeah, Because I was so like, I'm going to be an actor. By the time I'm 21, I'm going to be a famous actor. Where did that come from? Is this, is this the parents telling you no, you can do all. anything? No, not or? at all. I, I honestly believe it's the, the pop culture that we grew up with as preteens. This candy, candy-filled candy pop culture. This idea that, you know, someone spends all the money and you just are the star. That was totally ingrained in my, in my brain as a young person. Were there any songs written about that? No, I think I need to write one, actually. Because I think this is kind of something that because me and my partner both come from the you know the same era, so we talk about it sometimes. Um, so it's kind of been a, like I've been aware of it kind of in the last year. So yeah, no, I I need to write a song about that. It's music time, <laughs> and I'm going to ask you an increasingly another difficult question uh, about your favourite piece of music because it's just easy to pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a track that you want to share out of your vast number of, of favourites? Number of favourites. Yes, I do have a single track. Out of my, like you say, vast number. But this song is um, by a, a group called Portico Quartet, and it's called Prickly Pear. Portico Quartet. Quartet. Yep. Prickly Pear. Yep. There we go. It's, um, I discovered it through the, the joys of discovering music on Spotify. Amazing. <laughs> and putting up with the ads in between. Oh. Well, we pay for premium, so that's. Oh. <laughs> you got it when you listen to a lot of music. <laughs>
Hey, I'm Max, singer and guitarist from Merlin Co. When you need some stellar photos to help sell your band or next gig, get in touch with Shannon Jessica. She's not just a great photographer, she froths local music. And that passion comes through full swing in all the work she does. This month, Shannon's offering a lovely introductory special, meaning your shoot could cost as little as 150 bucks. But these packages have got to be snatched up by the end of the month. So visit shannonjessica.com for a beaut portfolio from your next gig. That's shannonjessica.com. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Bryony Matthews on Plains FM 96.9. Um, I want to talk about production, and it's interesting that you talked about the whole Mains experience. Your your first album, uh, when did you decide, I want to do this thing and, and get it happening? I've wanted to make an album for so many years, um, but I, I'm glad it didn't happen too early because looking back, it just wasn't the right time. Like, I hadn't properly kind of developed my sound or my songwriting and things even my vocals actually um but there are plenty of bands out there that have gone out and just done it i know, you know but it and costs so much develop. money yeah. <laughs> true no i'm glad it happened when it did because it was after i came back from overseas and i'd written this massive amount of songs so there are some songs that i wrote over there on the album what's the album called uh little queen little queen yes okay my father as a little girl um, when I was a little girl, he'd, he'd often say that in another life I was a queen because I was mm-hmm. quite stubborn and knew what I want and very serious. Mm-hmm. Let them eat cake yep. and such. Yep. Cut exactly. off their head. Yep. Yep. So that kind of comes from that. I, was, I didn't have a band for years. I was just a solo, soloist. Um, and then through doing the, the course at Mainz, I started playing with a guy um, called Tom McMenamin and he played with me for a little while. We were like a little duo. So that was the beginning. I was doing a few gigs, like putting those gigs on myself because I'd learned how to do it through Mains. Um, and then I met some other musicians, <coughs> Adam Hadaway and AJ Park, um, and they, they're the ones playing on my album. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just asked them if they wanted to, to make an album with me, and they were keen, and, and Adam is super friendly and super awesome and super talented so we kind of got together and I would just play my songs and he'd bring his own you know craziness he's a crazy crazy guitar player um and then him and AJ are really good mates so we'd all be in Al Park's living room um practicing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah it was just the three of us we didn't actually I didn't actually have a bass player then so I was kind of intending on making a EP and then we just kind of decided like screw it we'll just do an album it's a short album it's like nine songs where did you record we recorded um with edward costello he's in a band called the dictaphone blues um sorry dictaphone blues um so he has his own little recording studio up in the lab in mount eden it's not the lab but it's in that building and i'd met him through other friends at a party blah 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 got him to play at a gig down here um when i was studying he was one of the ones that I put on with the gigs that I'd organised. And, yeah, just asked if he'd be keen to do it. He was super keen. So we literally went up and just slammed it out over three days. And that was a really, really amazing process for me. Funding for it. How did you, how did you afford? All my money. Yep. <laughs> Is this scrolled away from working other jobs Pretty much. and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Got, I got me a credit card, which is now going to take me about seven years to pay off. Okay. <laughs> 
So it's <laughs> it's the album musician's equivalent of a student loan in a way. Mm, yeah, it's, it's not the greatest, but you do it because you really want to do you it. Want to. Yeah. Tell me about um, how Mains sort of influenced the production process uh, of the album, or I guess you're listening back to it. I'm not sure if it, it did. It was more that it helped me make these contacts and meet these people. Like that's the, the biggest thing that Mains did for me. Um, because one of our projects was um, to create a gig. It was an event, you know, management course, just a small part of it. And um, <clears throat> we had to invent a gig, and I did. And then I was like, I'm actually just going to make this gig. So I did it. It was called Live in the Attic, and it was on top of C1. So there was a building, like there's a room on top of C1. And it was a huge success. It was a massive fluke. I had, like, French for Rabbits and Jed Parsons, and I played and Ed Ed Costello, he played a solo. So I actually had like a really good lineup. I I got like the the gear from Mains, all the you know, the students helped me and then I just pretty much hired all this lighting and got some kegs and like actually did looking back I'm like, how did I do that? Because, you know, putting on stuff is quite a big deal. It's fearless in a way. I, yeah, I guess I just I didn't know any better really. But I did it and it succeeded and yeah, so through those kind of things, because that's kind of the more the way I went with the courses, like the management things, like we, um, I kept doing gigs after that. Yeah, so through the course it, it helped me meet all the people that I needed to know, because you obviously need to know the right people. We're going to talk about your indigo music uh, in the next section of the show. Any more Bryony stuff on our own? Any more recordings <coughs> yes. in the future? Uh, um, I'm in the slow, arduous process of <laughs> recording a new EP. Uh-huh. Um, I'm doing that with Ryan Fisherman. So that's just lack of money that's keeping it slow. Yeah. Um, but I'm still playing with um, AJ Park, is still my drummer, and now I have Ben Odering, who's my bassist who used to play in salad boys and other various things and, and a very good master apparently and a very yes yep no, he is it's a very good mixer actually yeah. <laughs> um and also josh holmes who's also in your indigo he plays electric guitar in, in my band so we, we've got this really like i, I love those guys because they bring my music to life Excellent. so yeah can we hear something off little queen yes it's called gift of your flame okay and why yep. this particular track uh, it's just, I think this is one of the more timeless tracks on the album. Yeah. Comfort and love, Rosie, a flight by my side. Words are all I have. My happiness is overcome. Our anger resides. My heart feels the shock of your silence. We cannot be. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Bryony Matthews on Plains FM 96.9. We just heard a track off Little Queen, which is great. Um, but there's a new, new project which has sort of been out and about for a little while. Mm. And um, I hear there's an EP on the way. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your Indigo music? You've already talked yes. about Josh, but there's, there's another person who's part yep. of that group. So it's Amelia Grinnell, who's a well-known folk singer. So she's a very, very, very dear friend of mine. So and so is Josh. So we're all quite close, and we've we came together. How old is my daughter? Two. Not long after my daughter was born, we came together, and we used to have dinners every Wednesday, and we'd just sit down with the children. Amelia's daughter would come along as well, and just write music and things. So recently, we just finished um, recording our EP. Um, and Josh has done an amazing job mixing it, and um, we, um, yeah, have an EP release show on the 6th of December at uh, Space Academy, Mm -hmm. and we're playing that alongside The Response, who also have an album to release. So kind of doing a double double release. release, Exactly. As you do. There's a a lot of music happening in Christchurch that weekend. Tell me about your Indigo music (laughs) in terms of... In terms of style and yeah. how it sort of differs from, from Bryony. So we it. all wanted, so yeah, originally there's me who obviously does what I do. Amelia is a folk singer. And then Josh is also um, Junus Orca and Other Son, which is two of his um, electronic um, projects. So we all came together and wanted to combine what we do, but just make something really fun. Me and Amelia both wanted to have a project that wasn't so much about writing emotive music <laughs> and just to like wear fun costumes and she wanted to play a drum and just have some fun on stage and I guess we're kind of drawing on our like poppy influences as children as well so um Josh brings his freaking amazing electronic skills and then we do the the songwriting you know harmonies and everything over top and we do have some instruments uh, like we have a high strung acoustic guitar which we share and Amelia plays a floor tom, got some electric guitar, and yeah. So it's, I can't actually relate it to many things. It's quite unique, which is exciting for us. It's, you'll just have to, you just have to listen to our music and come along to our show. <laughs> Tell me about the live music scene in Christchurch, sort of full stop. Obviously, Blue Smoke, Jess Shanks has done an amazing job with it. She's just created such a good spot. There's Dark Room, which... I haven't been to it for a long time since I've had a child, but when Marcus with Stanley was, was running, I used to be there and play there a lot, which was great. Space Academy is awesome. That's always been a great spot, and now that it's just focusing on music, it's just going to even be an even better place. It's funny, we used to, in gatherings here, we used to have an event called Little Room, which was every first Sunday of the month, we'd have like a really nice, chilled-out kind of acoustic feel. Like We had the Swan Sisters and Holly Arrowsmith and Fraser Ross and... And that was awesome. I, we did get frustrated because there is a thing in Christchurch where people don't necessarily want to pay to see music. And that's the big thing. <laughs> There's this ongoing discussion about paying a cover charge, mm. paying just something mm. to get along. We've just started making like koha entry because actually people tend to feel less annoyed and pay more, which is, you know, it's just a silly mental thing, isn't it? But yeah, it's just because part of the little room thing was just trying to get people to come out and, you know, it's 10 bucks, like there's nothing. But for some reason, the Christchurch does have this funny mentality, like they're Why very... Why should I have to pay yeah, for it? They're it, very happy to pay for people that are big, 
you know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. But how do those people get big? Exactly. Because they play. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an ongoing struggle. <laughs> okay. Aside from um, December 6th and aside from the, uh, the other Bryony EP, mm. um, anything off in the, the future um, that you would like to achieve, whether it's um, playing at a particular gig or festival or event or, I don't know, working with someone, whether that's a producer, engineer or other musicians? It's actually just, I'm just really excited about um, the future of your Indigo at the moment. Um, just really want us to kind of get us established and, you know, start playing festivals and get our music out there. Because I, th- I think we're really talented. Like the three of us together, we just make really good music. So kind of just want to really focus on that. I love working with them because they're my mates and it's just so much fun. It's just, you know, I feel um, uh, a new sense of energy. Yeah. That's amazing. So I kind of just want to, I can't think of anybody else that I want to work with at the moment. I just kind of want to focus on this. Yeah. Uh, track to take us out with today? So the the last track will be um, Your Indigo's new single. Mm-hmm. So that's called Glass Cloud. Tell us what Glass Cloud is about, or should we just yeah, imagine? No. <laughs> we have quite obscure names for our songs. Glass Cloud. Um, I, I actually wrote the lyrics, most of the lyrics for that one. I guess it's about, uh, as humanity, like stepping out of your own comfort zone and being accepting of um, humanity and other walks of life and getting out into different parts of the world and being open and not being judgmental. Yeah. Bryony, thank you so much for being on the show. (laughs) Thank you very much.
Time for my track of the week, keeping it in the debut family, so to speak. It's the response. You'll remember my interview a few months ago with Andy and Vic. Well, come December 6th, they'll be releasing their new album alongside Your Indigo. Here's their latest track, Picture Undefined. All the little things that don't seem to count Won't be soon forgotten Leaves me with a taste bitter in my mouth Never what I wanted Think I lost my mind for just a little while I was wiped clean See it like a dream It's somewhere in between Am I okay?
Thanks for being here today. My guest was the exceptionally talented Bryony Matthews. You can find out more about the Your Indigo gig by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on Bryony's picture. It's at Space Academy on Friday the 6th of December and it's going to be brilliant. Now remember, there's just a couple of days left for you to enter the Rhythm and Alps competition with a two-day camping prize worth almost $500 up for grabs. Just head to gardenofsound.nz to enter, but you must be 18 or over. I'll be announcing the winner of that prize on next week's show, where, funnily enough, I'll be chatting to David Parlane, promoter for Selwyn Sounds. And you never know, there may just be another giveaway on the cards. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. So in the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi there, darling.